Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together. Uh, for Michelle Sticknot, who was our liturgist this morning, uh, for our praise team, and for our Wesley Choir, who offer our music leadership, for Gary Brubaker, who puts things together for us, thank you. Now, we are nearing the end of our series on who's who in the Bible, talking about the people who maybe you know a lot about, or maybe not very much, or maybe we thought that we did, but there's a whole lot more to their story. So we've talked about Saul, who became Paul, Deborah, Samson, Mephibosheth. This morning we'll talk about Gideon, and next week we'll close with Lydia. We'll talk about who they are as human beings, imperfections and all, and what their stories tell us about their faith, which also tells us how it might influence ours. They're stories that tell us a little bit about who they were, who we are, and who God is. So this morning, Gideon. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, uh, the story of Gideon actually takes us a little bit backwards. So we move forward in history and we talked about the king, um, David and Mephibosheth, but this will take us back to the time of the judges. Um, So we're going backwards in history a little bit. Um, So the period of judges was the time before there was a king in Israel and there were these uh, judges who were appointed to be in leadership. The book of Judges names 12 leaders who are said to be the judges of Israel. Um, There are three others um, found in the scriptures, not in the book of Judges, but the book of Judges talks about these 12. There's Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzon, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. Don't ask me to repeat those because I'm not sure that I could do that. Um, But those are the 12 judges. Um, There are, like I said, there's a few others mentioned in some other books. Um, But each of the judges represents one of the tribes of Israel, and there were 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Now, Abimelech is mentioned following Gideon as kind of a pseudo-judge, not appointed as a judge, but it's kind of like an honorary position. Um, Abimelech was Gideon's son, um, and so he was given sort of this honorary appointment as a judge. More on that later. Um, But so that's another name that's mentioned in there. Not as official judge, but kind of in that same realm. Okay, so that's some of the history. Now, if you read the book of Judges, um, which is quite interesting, it's also quite violent, um, there's a lot that's going on throughout there. But there's also a really pretty clear pattern that happens in the book of Judges. Basically, what'll happen is um, a new judge is appointed and brings about peace. So it starts out with the Israelites. They do something um, and they don't follow God or they find a new God to worship. Um, They don't follow God's instructions. God brings about punishment because of their failure, and then um, the Israelites cry out for rescue. Then God's like, all right, I got this, um, and appoints a new judge um, to help save the Israelite people, and then peace is restored, usually for about 40 years. And then um, 
or like a generation, the judge will hold peace. And then when they die or when they're finished, usually when they die, um, then the pattern starts all over again. Israelites do not follow God, punished, cry out for rescue, judge is appointed, peace. You've got this circle that happens 12 times throughout the book of Judges. Um, it happens probably several times throughout the scriptures also, um, but you have this through the book of Judges especially. Now, as you follow through in Judges, following each of these times of peace or times of violence, it gets progressively worse throughout the book. Um, so things get worse and worse and worse. Samson is the last judge, which we talked about Samson a few weeks ago. Um, and Samson leaves and dies and leaves a very terrible example for Israelites on how to live. Um, and there is no judge until the kings are appointed after that. So um, it gets progressively worse throughout the book on how life is for the Israelite people. Now it's it's actually, um, it gets progressively worse with women bearing the brunt of the oppression. Women are trafficked um, throughout the book and they are expected to repopulate a tribe. So women are bearing the brunt of this oppression by being told you must repopulate this tribe um, or being trafficked to other groups. So they have no choice or consent in this. They are just forced um, to to help repopulate the tribe. So um, I think the book of Judges is part history. I mean, it tells us a little bit about what was going on, but I think it's also part warning or part instruction. This is what happened when you did this. This is what happens when you do this. And this was what will happen if you keep doing this. I think there's a lesson to be learned of what happens when we continue this oppression and violence and we keep that in circulation. Now, if we're really honest, which let's be really honest, these are lessons that we're still learning. We're still learning how to be in peace. We're still learning how not to oppress one another. We're still learning we're still learning these lessons. This is what happens when you do this. This is what happens when you have done this. And this is what happens if you keep doing this. So we're still learning. But let's talk about Gideon a little bit. Um, Gideon is also known as Jerubbabel. These are such great names, right? Um, and Jerubbabel um, means Baal will contend. So you'll um, hear at the end of his name, Baal. Um, Baal um, was one of the gods that the Canaanites worshipped or was a, um, a god of the pagans or um, those who were not Jewish. Um, and so Jerubbabel means Baal will contend. And Gideon gets this name after he tears down the altar to Baal. So he's kind of got both of these names, Jerubbabel and Gideon. Sometimes he is also known as Jerubasheth. I know, all of these names, right? Uh, Jerubasheth, which you will hear some similarities to Mephibosheth. Um, the ending there, the sheth um, being shame. And so Jerubbabel means the shame of Baal. 
So it all tells a little bit about who Gideon is and what he's done in sort of tearing down the relationship between the Israelites and Baal or this worship of Baal. But let's talk about Gideon's story. So let's go from the beginning with Gideon's story. An angel comes to Gideon, an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you have been chosen by God. And like most people do, when an angel of the Lord comes to them and says, God has chosen you, they're like, uh, no, not me. You must have me confused with someone else. Um, and in fact, uh, Gideon says, I am from the weakest clan and I am the weakest in my family. There is no way that God is choosing me um, to, to go up against these people, to be a judge, to be a leader in any way. I, I am not... I'm just not capable. And God reminds him that God will go with him wherever he is. And so that makes him stronger. And so he agrees to go and gives an offering. And this is one of the first miracles or signs that, um, that are part of Gideon's life. Um, he puts meat and cake and broth on a rock and it's consumed by fire. And so in this sort of sign or miracle, um, he realizes that he has seen the angel of the Lord and he survived, which um, it's been said to say, you can't see the face of God or the angel of the Lord and expect to survive. But Gideon is like, uh, did I just see God and I'm still alive? And yes, he was. So um, understands that his call has truly come from God um, and that there is something special about him. And so um, Gideon goes to destroy the altar of Baal. And then this is where our scripture passage picks up. Um, the Midianites and the Amalekites, who are um, two additional tribes, but they're closely related to the Israelites. They have close ties to the Israelites, but they are not part of the, tri the, the tribes of Israel. Um, so they are um, they're who, who the Israelites are kind of up against. Um, and because the spirit of the Lord was with Gideon, other people followed him, um, even if Gideon wasn't so sure. And so Gideon, although he's had this one sign, he asked God for another sign. Um, asked, he asked for signs to show him that this is truly what God wants and that he's truly doing what God is wanting him to do. Um, and so he puts out the fleece. And one time he puts it out and says, if there is dew on the fleece and there, the rest of the ground is dry, I will go. So wakes up the next morning, there is dew on the fleece and the rest of the ground is dry. And so then he's like, let me just check this again. Now this time, if the rest of the ground is wet, but the fleece is dry, then I'll go. So next morning, the fleece is dry, the rest of the ground is wet. And so he's like, okay, I'll go. Um, so because his signs were met, he went truly knowing and believing that he was following God's instructions. Now he brings an army to battle. It's not a huge army, but it's an army. Um, originally he starts with about 22,000 people. Um, and then he turns to these 22,000 people and he's like, this might not be good guys. Um, if you're afraid, go home. Just, it's fine, no harm, no foul. If you're afraid, just go home. And so um, 10,000 of them stay. So loses quite a bit just in that. Um, and then God says, you know, here's another test. Those, uh, give everybody some water, and those that lap the water like a dog, like, you know, 
like a bowl of water, that's who you bring with you. If they don't do that, you can't take them. Um, so Gideon follows this next test um, and ends up bringing 300 people with him to battle. So he starts with 22,000, which is not a huge amount anyway, and ends up with 300. They go into battle at night and ultimately they're successful. Um, and so this is a great celebration. They're like, yeah, this is wonderful. Gideon, you should be our king. And Gideon says, uh, no, I'm not a king. Remember that we have a king. God is our king. We don't need one. Um, so Gideon is faithful, um, faithful to what God has called him to do and to be, not as a king, as a judge, and doing what it is that God has, has called and commanded. Um, Gideon had 70 sons from multiple wives, including Abimelech, who was actually not from one of his wives, but from a concubine, Abimelech. So um, after this happens, they lived in peace for 40 years until Gideon's death. And then you know what happens, it starts all over again. So let's talk about Abimelech. Abimelech means my father is king. That's what his name is, um, which kind of seems like an odd name for someone who refused to be the king. Um, and so Abimelech is kind of appointed as this honorary judge for a few years, um, but he was not like his father. Uh, he was probably like the opposite of his father. Um, he was not faithful uh, to God and, and was full of greed for his own power and really wanted to be a king himself. So it didn't go very well. Um, and so the Israelites then began to worship Baal again. Um, and so the cycle starts all over. This is the story of Gideon. Um, it's an interesting story, isn't it? Um, it's interesting to know some of the history pieces and, and a little bit, but what does this mean? What does this story mean for us today? I don't know if you have ever, like just, if you've ever maybe... I find it when I'm sitting in the car um, that I have some of the best conversations with God or sometimes when I'm sitting alone in the sanctuary here in between meetings or conversations um, and those times when I just, I just want like an answer or I just am like, can you give me a sign? Does anybody ever do that? Like they just cry out to God, give me a sign. Like tell me, have you ever just cried for this? Now, for me, it usually comes like when I'm feeling lost or when I'm feeling at the end of my rope um, or if I'm feeling very confused or very frustrated, like, tell me the answer. Give me a sign. And it's usually when I just want to feel confident. I want to feel confident in something or secure in a decision that I have to make or believing and trusting that I'm following what God wants and not just what I want. And I think the truth is that we, we often look for signs of confirmation all the time. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've talked to even some of you who have said things like, oh, I saw a cardinal in my backyard. That's how I knew my, my dad was okay. Or there's a cardinal here or, or another bird. And so I know my mom is here. Or I trust that someone that I loved is okay. Or someone else I talked to said that every time I see a penny on the ground, it's like pennies from heaven. And I know that's a sign from my mom or my dad. It's a sign from God. 
And so we have these signs that we look for, like a rainbow. Uh, that reminds me that everything is gonna be okay, just like the rainbow from the, um, the story of Noah. Or maybe it's like a sunshine after a rainy day or like that one beam of light. We, we look for signs all the time. And often we attribute signs when they confirm what we're hoping for. Now there are times that maybe in some more evangelical or conservative or more charismatic, that's probably the better way to say it, more charismatic um, traditions, it's called putting out the fleece, which is exactly what Gideon did. So that comes from the story of Gideon putting out the fleece in Judges 6. It's a way of asking for a sign that you're on the right path or what you might be supposed to do. When I was um, trying to decide which seminary to attend and I had several options, I remember driving back from the seminary that I, I felt the most comfortable at. And I was like, this seems to be the one, but I just wasn't sure. And so I was driving in the rain and I said, all right, God, if I'm supposed to go to this seminary, make it stop raining, thinking like, <laughs> sure. Sure enough, like seconds later, it stopped raining. And then I was, it freaked me out a little bit. And so then I kept driving and I was like, okay, if I'm supposed to go to this seminary, make it rain again. And it started raining. Now, for some people, they might say, because uh, that's how weather works. And that is entirely possible and fair and true. And for me, it was confirmation. It was confirmation for me. It was putting out the fleece. Give me a sign. There's times when that's our, our cry of, of almost desperation. But I, I don't think it's about being desperate. I think it's, it's really a cry for hope. It's a, it's a hope that's behind that question because we always want something to believe in. We always want something to confirm our faith. We always want something to remind us of hope. And I think we need these signs because we're forgetful. I mean, it's the cycle for the Israelites in the book of Judges but it's also a common story throughout all of scripture. And sometimes when there are so many hopeless messages around us or messages telling us that we should be hopeless, there are so many of these hopeless messages around us that we can't remember what we're supposed to remember because there are voices that just start to feel louder. Do not be afraid is a common phrase throughout scriptures, probably because we're afraid. Be strong and courageous, probably because we're not feeling all that brave. Love one another, probably because sometimes we forget. Give me a sign. And these signs help us to remember they remind us of who we are and what we believe, but it's not just for us. It's for us to share with others too. Hope might be personal, but it's not private. Our faith might be personal, but it's not private. It's meant to be shared and to build together with others. Give me a sign. It might be a sign for you. And it's also a call.
Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, where you of joy because hope is an act of resistance it says to hopelessness you don't win love is an act of resistance it says to hatred you don't win joy is an act of resistance it, it says to despair you don't win we keep looking for signs to remind us of hope give me a sign and we tell the stories of hope and love and joy and peace of these signs that we see. And we keep offering acts of hope and love and joy and peace that maybe they're a sign for someone else. Give me a sign. And these signs stands as a signal to all people. Give me a sign. I will go where you lead me, I will hold your people in my 